Good day, everyone. My name is Richard Kenny. I'm part of the sales management team here at Carter Logistics and Carter Express. And we welcome you to this changing 2021 logistics market dynamics webinar and the need that you might have for a 3PL with assets, which would be Carter Logistics. As this year began in 2021, we've seen a lot of change in the way that we're doing our work, no matter what vertical you work in, automotive, general manufacturing, medical, food, we're all seeing a lot of change. How's this change really affecting the industry? Well, in today's webinar, I'm very pleased to introduce you to two individuals that are gonna give us a lot of answers to our questions. First of all, Richard DeBoer, our Executive Vice President at Carter Logistics and Carter Express joins me and also Mr. Brian Clark, who is Director of Logistics at Carter Logistics. Both of these gentlemen bring over 40 years of experience to the table, and we're welcome to have them join us. And members of the audience, you can type in your questions into the message board during today's webinar, and we'll have a chance to answer those at the end. I want to start our discussion today by giving both of our guests a chance to introduce themselves. So I'll start with you, Dick, uh, Richard DeVore. Give us a little bit on your background and your work in the industry. Yeah, thank you very much, Rich. Uh, yeah, I started in the industry back, boy, probably about 40 years ago, 39 years ago. Uh, CPA, CFO of a publicly traded transportation company. Uh, from there, after 14 years in that role, I went on and ran two trucking companies, uh, both smaller in size, 150 to 250 trucks. And then I came over to Carter 11 years ago, and 11, for the last 11 years, I have headed up the sales, marketing, and pricing department of Carter. Uh, I am challenged with staying on abreast of the marketplace, uh, keeping the heartbeat of the marketplace, and making sure that we are moving the company in the right direction from a pricing standpoint and customer relationship standpoint. And uh, Brian Clark, thanks for joining us today. Uh, give us a little bit of information about your background and work within Carter Logistics. Uh, I've been in the industry now for uh, 22 years. I uh, spent the first 16 uh, working for a freight consolidator and transportation company that worked with big box retailers. And then the last six here with Carter Logistics. Perfect, excellent. Well, let's begin our discussion, and Dick, I'll start with you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the side effects of COVID-21 and how that's affected the supply of CDL truck drivers in the market today? Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up uh, immediately, Rich, because the rates that are going on in the industry are all driven by the undercurrent cost that's going on in the industry. And I just got forwarded to myself an article uh, from Transport Topics today that will include in the distribution of this webinar, but it states Cohen and Company. Uh, Cohen and Company came out today and said this is the toughest driver market they, that we've been in for three decades. Uh, in addition to that, they had indicated that the pay per mile in February went up 8.1% versus uh, the February of last year. 
And the third element, which I thought was of interest, was that the spot market rose in the month of March 41.9%, and it's now the average rate per mile is 265. So that's a little bit about a background of what's going on within the driver's side. Now, why did that all occur? And I know a lot of you have listened to a lot of webinars and also uh, podcasts as far as drivers, and you probably pretty well know what's gone on in the industry, but I'm gonna touch on it quickly. First of all, when COVID hit, a lot of drivers were furloughed, especially in the auto industry. We service uh, probably 85, 90% of our business is the automobile industry. And because of that, we furloughed a lot of drivers, uh, approximately 80%. Not all of those drivers came back uh, to the company once COVID and the pandemic kind of released in uh, June of last year. We lost approximately 7% of our drivers due to uh, the furlough situation. And I believe other trucking companies had lost quite a few too during that period. The second piece of this had to do with um, training. Uh, there's a lot of training sites out there that uh, train drivers, six-week CDL program. Ultimately, they hand those drivers off to the company to provide the final training. Those schools were shut down during COVID, and because of that, the pipeline to the driver base dried up. Uh, in addition to that, once these schools reopened, we did not have uh, trainers that wanted to ride with these trainees and train them, which they needed, we needed to have just due to COVID. So it was kind of a double whammy on us as far as the schools and also the trainers. In addition to that, has been well chronicled in the industry, uh, the aging driver fleet. It's now on the eight, it's now 54 years of age. It was probably 10 years ago, about 51 years of age, has advanced to 54. New entrants coming in are only 30, they're 39 years old. So we aren't getting a lot of 25, 30 year olds in the industry. They're 39, that's on average what it is. So a lot of alternatives for drivers. And because of that, um, we find ourselves in this situation of a major shortage and having to increase pay to these drivers just to retain and recruit additional drivers into the industry. Now, Dick, I would assume in this environment, uh, trucking and logistics companies have to become more innovative when they are looking at ways to increase the driver pool. Does no, Carter Express have any innovative ideas? Yeah, you know, that, that's a that's a great point. As we all have talked about, the silver bullet is the um, government decreasing the age from 21 for new starts of drivers to 18. But I don't hold a lot of hope out for that in this uh, Democratic uh, administration. Because of that, just like what you said, is we've got to look at ourselves and say, how are, how can we recruit drivers to this industry? And really, we have to look internally. And internally, we have some 200 to 300 forklift drivers that we have employed here at Carter, um, as other industries do too. I mean, you know, the Walmarts of the world, the uh, large carriers who might have cross stocks, the LTL carriers, they all have forklift drivers. Forklift drivers generally have the same characteristics as truckload drivers, 
They're normally very process oriented. They're very safe drivers. So we are targeting internal cell to our people to bring in additional talent into the organization as the industry is doing the same thing. Okay. Now, Dick, I want to take you away from that concept and take a look at the thought process with the smaller and medium-sized trucking companies that are out there. Uh, how do you think these changes have affected their company's performance? Well, I, if I was operating a small company, if we would have made it through 2020, 2020 was a rough year. Uh, you had COVID that went on and then you had the um, nuclear verdicts on insurance that went on during the year that ultimately translated into super high premiums from insurance carriers. Both of those things created an event that really made it tough for smaller trucking companies and even medium companies to stay in business. So, but if they survived 2020, they're probably doing very well right now in 2021, just due to the spot market rate. Most of those carriers live off the spot market rate, and they're probably doing very well if they survive 2020. Uh, they've got the same issues as a large carrier does, uh, such as Carter, in that um, they're swimming in the same pool to trying to recruit drivers. They've got the same high pay that they've got to pay to recruit the drivers. So they, it, it is still a tough environment, especially on the recruiting side for those small to medium-sized companies. Great. Now I'm going to switch to Brian Clark here because you're dealing with a wide variety of players, full truckload, LTL, Expedite. Who is this market disruption really hurt the most in 2021? Honestly, everybody's probably felt the effects of it. Um, but I would say that the smaller guys, the smaller shippers um, are probably feeling it a little bit more than others because they probably didn't have the bullpen of carriers that they previously, that other big carriers or big customers had had in previously. So those are the guys that are probably feeling the most pain right now, trying to go find those carriers to fill the void. And Brian, let's just say that uh, I'm a shipper. Is now a good time to really look for contract rates? I, I believe it's always a good time to, to add resources, um, small carriers, big carriers, whatever you need to fill the void of what you may be missing from carriers that may have already left you or didn't have capacity. So, yeah, I think it's a good time. You just need to be aware of the situation and understand that you may not want to look at one, two, three-year contracts and look more at a shorter term. And Brian, would you have any thoughts about where the rate movement is going to go in the future for our shippers? Is there afraid also that truckers would prefer to be handling for their drivers? Are these important aspects to consider? No, and they are. Um, the, the, to answer your first question, I would say that the first thing that you want to look at is to make sure that you understand that rates are going to stay where they're at or they're going to continue to rise. I don't see a leveling of it and I don't see a decrease in the near future until certain things in the market take care of themselves. Um, but if you if you are looking for that freight characteristics that are going to get carriers attention, it's the consistent freight with regular routes. Um, you want to make sure that those carriers are benefiting just as much as you are. So it becomes a partnership. 
And then another area that you deal in is spot market freight. And all the shippers are wondering in that area, is it time to be maybe considering a contract or do I stay in this spot environment where the prices are changing constantly? Uh, what are your thoughts about the two? Contracted lanes are really good for freight that is consistent and regular. Carriers like it. It puts them on a schedule. It plans their drivers accordingly. That freight really works in a contracted environment. If you don't have that, I would say that the spot market is still where you want to be. You just need to be aware of the ups and downs. And uh, also, uh, we have a number of shippers that have a low volume of freight. Uh, they don't feel like they have a lot to bring to the market. Any expectations or thoughts about that segment? Low volume can work. You just got to find the right carrier. Um, it probably helps if it's a static day of the week. If you're only shipping one day a week, if you make it every Monday, carriers can plan for it. Again, it goes back to that scheduling piece to make sure that they're efficient with their drivers and their hours. But you need to find that carrier that fits that need for what you have and for what they need. And uh, for the shippers with that lower volume, besides contracting certain lanes, do you have any advice as to what shippers can do to try to control their cost? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that they can do to make their freight be a little bit more attractive to the carriers. That's, you know, set the schedule, give them more time, uh, shipping hours, receiving hours, number of stops that you plan on a route. Those are all things that are driver friendly and that makes it easier for carriers to be attracted to your business. So Dick, after hearing what Brian has to say about the marketplace on his side, do you think it's a good time to suggest to shippers that they take a look at the private fleet concept? Yeah, you got to look at why people have private fleets and it's one of two reasons. It's because they've got unique driver needs so let's say the drivers need to fingerprint all the back of the trailer or that they have seven stops on the route. Um, so the characteristics of their freight is not driver friendly. So that's one reason why people have private fleets. Second reason why private uh, people have private fleets are they want to control the customer service experience. Um, and usually it's those customers that have high margins so they can afford the cost of private fleets and private fleets cost more than your normal uh, over the road truck trucking company. Um, as rates start getting closer and closer as what we said is the average spot rate is 265. It does make more sense to take a look at creating a private fleet, but you know, you still are swimming in that same pool of drivers and you still have that problem. So you aren't going to avoid that issue by looking at a private fleet. You're just going to transfer that to a company like Carter, to uh, your own company, and you better have expertise to run it. So overall, I would say probably not at this point in time. Okay. And our audience is real familiar with the concept of non-asset based and asset-based carriers. Is there a specific advantage as to why you want to work with an asset-based carrier? I would say absolutely, absolutely. Um, and where it comes into play is that it can bail you out. So let's say you've got freight sitting at the border in Laredo 
and you've got a third party carrier on it. Well, and it's a JIT type of load. Well, we can juggle loads down at the border and put Carter assets on it or put our own assets on it if need be. Um, same thing out in the field. If all of a sudden we have an emergency emergency pickup at a supplier, we could reroute a Carter truck to pick that emergency product up and ship it in normal processes. So there's a lot of advantages if you've got your finger on both assets and also uh, the logistics operation. And Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's about 20, 25% of your logistics operation is being covered by the Carter Express fleet, but 75, 80% is being outside. That is correct. Yeah. Well, now, Brian, I turn things to you. Uh, in the news right now, there's quite a bit out there about what's happening to purchasing decisions being made by companies. Uh, part of the reason is the West Coast import situation. The Suez Canal has entered into the situation as well. Uh, some people are saying it's going to be hard to find goods on retailer shelves in the next couple of months if the economy improves. Uh, how would you feel about these changes? How is it really affecting the marketplace now, these demands by consumers? And will this affect onboarding of shipments, let's say, from the West Coast to domestic destinations? Well, we are seeing more activity in quotes. Um, so that does mean that people are starting to try and build their, their tool belt a little bit more and add carriers to their, to their mix. Um, but as the market demands continue to shift into certain areas, as you explained, we had the, pro the problem out at the port on the West Coast is the capacity out there is not enough for all those containers that are coming in. Um, weather, a few months so back, um, we had a big weather event that hit the Midwest that really disrupts a carrier's footprint and where their assets are. So that changes it. That makes them have to work to get back to where they were to take care of their customers. So those are all things that do play a, a factor into you know what the rates and the and the market really looks like um that's another reason why you need to have more in in your your fleet um of carriers now dick i'll change gears over to you a uh, big topic for our audience is ltl shipping there's a lot going on in the ltl world what's your synopsis or take on what's happening in ltl right now well, most of, as most of our listeners know, the tonnage that is running through crosstocks right now is at its all-time high, not all-time high, but its highest level since November of 2017. So four years ago, three and a half, four years ago. But the difference today versus back then has to do with the capacity. So LTL carriers, as Carter kind of plays in that same arena for part of our business, are having a problem retaining drivers also. And the number of trucks that are out there is not keeping up with the demand of LTL service. So um, we're seeing delays at docks with our customers um, and our, our providers. So there's delays, which is ultimately translating into expedites, which at some point in time is translating into plant shutdowns, especially on JIT type of freight. So anyway, that's kind of the environment that's out there right now. Um, there, 
there are some things that we have responded from our organization is we're kind of building a bridge where you've got a standard milk run, which is predicated based upon every part every day. We're starting to respond to this marketplace that's coming to us and saying, I need a higher level of service, but they don't have consistent freight day in and day out. We're building a bridge and offering more tours to our customers that might ship two to three times a week rather than daily, but it's on our assets. So we have the uh, trackability, the traceability of the freight, and we have knowledge of where that freight is. So we've kind of responded to the marketplace that's out there, but it's a tough marketplace. And Brian, uh, you're working with team members that are in the trenches and you're dealing with these shipments day in and day out. Uh, what do you think about the supply and demand issue in the industry and how it's affecting the LTL freight? Well, LTL carriers have done a couple different things to help themselves out. And some of it is, you know, hurting customers and some of it is, you know, maybe benefiting them. But some of the things that they've they've done or that they're doing um, is they've cut down on the number of volume quotes that they accept, um, which means they're trying to get more smaller shipments on a trailer as opposed to one big one. Um, so if those guys were, you know, regular volume shippers, those guys are probably getting hit by this right now. Um, other carriers have gone after it from a rate aspect um, and decided that they need to find more drivers themselves. So they've raised their rates to help offset that as well. One of the other things that we've seen is that a lot of carriers have done what, what they call um, embargoes. And that means that they're holding freight. They are stopping to make pickups in certain markets in order to allow them to get caught back up so they can allow that freight to flow through different terminals. Now, Dick and Brian, I have a question for both of you as we've gone through full truckload and LTL. Uh, it's kind of a controversial issue, but uh, we are asked about it. Are carriers actually firing their customers? And I'll start with you, Dick. Yeah, I, you know, from a Carter perspective, um, and I think from a general carrier perspective, if a customer is not solving their own problems, so if they are not solving their problems at the shipper or at the consignee that would make their freight non-driver friendly, at that point in time, we have to make decisions as to if we, if we believe they're a long-term customer or if they're not a long-term customer. So there were customers that we ultimately decided not to pursue or not to renew their contracts last year. So not going out and telling them that we aren't going to do it. It was a combination of two things. One is through price adjustment, kind of priced ourselves out of the market, or just told them that we don't have capacity to serve them. So absolutely. Second piece of it, which is probably more important because customers are hard to come by. And we look at this as a long-term relationship Second thing is, is that it's important that we're communicating what the problems are to our customer. If it's at the shipper, if it's at the consignee, whatever it might be, we need to communicate that and give them an opportunity to solve it. They don't solve it at that point in time. They're going to just probably move the problem from one organization and one carrier to another and it's they're going to ultimately pay the price as to a rate 
increase on those specific lanes. So there's a lot of lanes that we have gone away from that might, the customer still may be with the organization, but the lanes itself, because of the problem with it, we have gone away from them. Brian, do you have uh, thoughts as well? Yeah, you know, carrier, carriers do a lot of different things. Um, right now, they're looking for something that's beneficially beneficial to them financially, but also from the driver aspect. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I believe that carriers are doing that and they're looking for the freight that that fits their footprint. And if the freight doesn't fit, then they move on and they go find the freight that does. The benefit that they have right now is, is that there's enough freight to go around so they can find what they're really looking for. Now, Dick, uh, also shippers are looking more and more at consolidation services. Uh, are automotive shippers looking to this as an alternative to traditional LTL? Uh, absolutely. Uh, generally, uh, on the OEM side, on the OEM side, they have kind of stayed away from LTL uh, only because of the JIT nature and the cost associated with it, keeping their plant running. Tier ones, uh, for the most part, tier ones have utilized the LTL marketplace and network, and maybe it's on some less sensitive type of suppliers that they have. Um, we are getting approached by customers to take a look at LTL and rolling more LTL into our dedicated routes, especially since we've offered the tour uh, type of event uh, where we could pick up at a LTL, uh, a smaller part provider two times a week rather than five times a week. So yeah. And it, okay. In addition to Dick, uh, has Carter Logistics run across situations with shippers where they've made decisions to replace an asset-based carrier with another alternative, and then they found themselves in hot water? Yeah, you know, <laughs> coming out of COVID last year, obviously it took a financial earnings hit on a lot of people, a lot of people in the auto industry, a lot of people outside the auto industry, a lot of people in the transportation industry, and a lot of the purchasing managers had initiatives to drive costs out of their system. We uh, we were RFQ'd quite a few times uh, by a lot of our customers, and uh, for the most part, we retained, I would say, 95% of our truckload business, all of our milk run business, uh, but there was a piece of our truckload business that we lost. Well, in hindsight, uh, those customers are probably regretting uh, moving away from good dependable carriers because if they're cast into the spot market situation today, I'm sure their, their budget is being blown out of proportion and the service levels that they're obtaining out there is less than satisfactory. Another interest uh, of areas uh, to our audience is the Mexico market. Uh, Carter Logistics, Carter Express, working in that market for a number of years. I'll start with you, Dick. Has the driver situation affected the Mexico traffic? Yeah, it has. I mean, it, they've, they've had generally the same problems that we've had. It's been a more prolonged problem with COVID in Mexico, probably not as documented as the U.S. problem, but definitely they have had 
uh, a lot of issues with COVID and it has prolonged itself down in Mexico. Um, that has affected the driver pool down in Mexico. Um, and because of that, I'm gonna let Brian kind of kind of talk a little bit through what's happened with the rates in Mexico. But yeah, there is a driver shortage in Mexico and it's been kind of exasperated by more exports coming out of Mexico than imports coming in. But Brian, uh, please feel free to talk about this subject. Yeah, so as, as you mentioned, there obviously is more northbound freight than there is southbound freight. So that's created challenges in the market and trying to get drivers back down uh, without having any freight to take. So they're, you know, having to deadhead back down with empty trailers, which is driving costs into, you know, all these carriers, um, you know, processes. So it, it is a challenge for them. Uh, which is also driving rates up, being short drivers, drives rates up. So these are all factors that play into, you know, the market that we are seeing right now. And Brian, with the Mexico marketplace, our customers many times see what you would call an imbalance between the import and the export business with Mexico. Um, is this something that you think will be persisting and can you talk a little bit about the freight deadheading as well? So, I mean, to answer your question, until there's a balance at the border of northbound and southbound, yes, this will continue to be a factor in, in how things run um, and how things are priced. But I, I think that, you know, as we, we work through this, uh, as anything else, there'll become solutions available at some point. You just don't know what they are until it gets figured out. Okay, gentlemen, uh, as a wrap up to our webcast today, uh, what final piece of advice would you give to the shipping community based on all of these particular changes we're seeing in 2021? I'll start with you, Dick. Yeah, I, I would make sure that the uh, shipping community um, really kind of looks at true partnerships and strategic partnerships with carriers and not look at um, bailing on those carriers, but really kind of working with them as far as the problems that they're having and evaluation of their overall network. In the past, they might not have had the time necessary to do that, but from my perspective, it's a critical part of the supply chain is to work with your strategic partner, either if it's a 3PL partner or if it's uh, asset-based partner or if it's a combination asset and logistics. That's first thing. Um, make sure you're make sure you're addressing the problems within your own organization um, from the doc to the consignees, but empower your organization and communicate with your organization as to what problems that there are and why it's important to the organization to get it fixed. So a lot of times that communication may stop with the supply chain person, the purchasing manager, whoever it might be, they need to push it down to the organization or else a lot of these issues don't get fixed. And then the third item has to do with the visibility side. As the industry continues on experiencing driver problems, uh, the freight is going to become hotter and hotter. Uh, the JIT type of deliveries are going to be tougher and tougher for carriers to perform. 
And it's imperative that shippers know exactly where their product is along the supply chain. So select select a uh, logistics company, a uh, carrier, whoever it might be that can provide you that visibility of where your freight is. And Brian, how about yourself? Any final suggestions to the shipper community from your area? Yeah, get, give yourself as much time as you can. Um, ship sooner, plan days in advance. Uh, you have a better opportunity uh, to get what you're looking for uh, when you're planning ahead versus the day of. Um, but again, adding more carriers can help. Um, one carrier may want you know, some of your freight, but you can find a carrier that wants the other part of your freight. And it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, they're looking for the benefits as well something that fits their footprint. So if you've got freight that works for them, they're going to be willing to be better, a better partner with you. Um, and so that will work for both of you. Well, gentlemen, we uh, have questions from our message board. I'll start with you, Dick. Uh, one question is, has President Biden's interest in increasing CDL truck drivers by 20% been accepted by the market? Well, it hasn't been accepted because I don't think a lot of the market probably knows, nor do I, the specifics of the proposal. So as as you probably have read in periodicals or through news flashes, that the infrastructure bill, it's a $2, tr $2 trillion infrastructure bill within the U.S. And the um, plan was by Biden is to increase some 15 million truck drivers over a 10-year period in the U.S. These 15 million truck drivers would either replace the retiring truck drivers or be new additions to uh, the industry. He was going to fund this by increasing the high, highest tax rate from 21% to 28%, which is going to probably be problematic alone getting that through the House. Uh, so in this bill, he did not state any specifics. So there is no knowledge really out there as to if it's the funding of CDL schools. Is it, you know, how how Biden was planning on generating these jobs really was not detailed. So I really can't speak a lot to it other than knowing that the bill is out there. And I don't have a lot of hope at this point in time in its current condition that it will pass. Uh, I've got to know what, another one for Brian Clark. Uh, truckload carriers have introduced double digit increases into the market. In the LTL market, can you try to forecast where the potential increases in rates will go this year? And how do you think 2020-22 is going to look? Well, I think, you know, from the conversations that we've had with some of our carriers and some of our customers of what they're seeing as well, I think you're looking at high single digits, possibly into the double digits as, as well. But that's all a product of what happens in the economy and the demand for the LTL carrier's capacity. Um, if, you know, if one thing swings one way or the other, that's going to affect that up or down. Uh, Dick, I have a question for you regarding truckload bids this year. Uh, what is your opinion that a shipper should take in terms of course of action in running a bid this year? And is it wise to work with a 3PL on truckload bids? Well, it depends upon it depends upon the first of all, as far as working with a logistics provider versus internal. 
It all depends upon the carrier uh, base that you already have. So each company may be different. Uh, customer may have 15 very good carriers. Uh, for an example, we do a lot of business with Nestle. Nestle sends out their bid to 15, 20 um, very good carriers that um, are proposing. So I, I'm not saying that they should not some, uh, send out bids, but when you get the results back, make sure that you are going through them very closely because there are bit people that are bidding on freight that are bidding maybe in a spot market or equipment available market. If I got equipment available in a specific area, here's a rate I'm going to give you. Well, that's a little bit different than a full contracted uh, carrier that is that they're planning on covering 90%, 95% of the freight. So. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I just want to make sure that when they get the results, they're kind of taking it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. uh, also, Dick, a question here on the nuclear verdicts uh, that have been affecting some trucking companies. What impact do you foresee on the small to medium-sized truck operators with, say, five to 100 trucks in their fleets during these uh, nuclear verdicts that are in the market now? Well, the first wave of it hit last year, as I mentioned earlier. I fully anticipate um, the second wave is going to hit this year. So some of these smaller carriers will probably uh, might have been building a war chest out there with these spot market rates out that are out there that they're going to be able to absorb this one where a year ago it was tough because you're coming out of COVID. So I don't see, I see additional double digit increases, maybe 20% uh, increases, 30% increases in insurance rates again this year. So it's something that's with us along with the driver shortage that are two of our major cost generating items within our organization. We have another question here as well. I'll leave it to both of you gentlemen uh, asking about outbound tender rejection rates how this is really affecting the uh, trucking industry in 2021. I'll, I'll go ahead and take that one. So, I mean, obviously in the day-to-day -day operations, we are seeing a lot of rejections um, with carriers that we have worked with in the past or, or maybe even had contracted. Um, again, it goes back to the capacity. Um, where are they being pulled? Do they have their trucks in the right places um, to fill you know, the needs for me, so to speak? Um, and they don't. And a lot of that's driven by where they're getting pushed in different areas. So uh, the the rejection rate is up. Capacity is tight and and that is affecting rates. Very good. Well, gentlemen, I think that uh, ends our session today. I wanted to thank uh, Richard DeBoer, the executive vice president of Carter Logistics, Carter Express, and also Brian Clark, our Director of Logistics, for joining me today. Also, thank you to the audience for joining this Wheels in Motion series. Our webcast, we think, is a good one, and we'll continue to have more of them this year. If you have any questions about Carter Logistics or Carter Express, feel free to contact us at carter-logistics.com or carterexpress.com. I'm Richard Kenny, pleased to be today's moderator, and thank you. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Wheels in Motion podcast. If you have an idea for an upcoming podcast, please send your ideas to marketing at carter-express.com.
Until next time.